two weeks ago. Last week, we talked about how you recognize the eight evidences of conversion, and that was really awesome. If anybody wants a copy of that teaching, you can get a copy and sign up of it in the back, but it is awesome. But you know, I actually jumped ahead of a lesson that we're going to actually go back to because it's important to know what the eight evidences of conversion, and when I taught that, some of you, you know, in your heart, you had to question have I really converted my life over to Christ? Is Jesus my Lord? Am I really walking that out? And you know what? As discipleships, I mean discipleships, as disciples in Christ, we have to actually know if somebody is born again. We, you have to ask yourself. That's good. I love it. We have a prayer that we're singing on Saturdays to reaffirm our position in Christ, reaffirm those same things that when we invited Christ into our heart and we confess that Jesus was Lord in our life, that we have to understand that. So today, we're going to pick on the very first lesson called, it's called Born Again, Eternal Salvation. Now, I love teaching this lesson because when Gene wrote it, he wrote it several years ago, and I was his test dummy on it when he wrote it. He came in, and we had a meeting, little chairs there, and he was so excited about this teaching, and it is such a powerful teaching, he actually says, okay, before he tells me any of the teaching, he's like, all right, lead me to Christ. I started laughing. (laughs) Don't you think that when somebody says, lead you to Christ, he's done this to me twice. When I first came here, he had a guy who, uh, evangelist, that went out in the streets, and all he did was just bring people to Christ, and his enthusiasm was to go into the projects and save souls, right? Well, you know, and we had a practice night with a little card and what we had to say, and none of it, oh, it didn't work for me. It didn't, why? I don't know why that night. But, you know, I was thinking, I'm reading texts. Do you know what I mean? When you really bring someone to Christ, the Christ in you has to draw and connect with the Spirit. And so then when Gene comes, this is years now later, you know, Gene comes in with this teaching about, How do you know if you're born again? We're going to really break this down. If anybody here is not born again today, they will be born again when they leave (laughs) because you will have the breaking down. So Gene says to me, hey, now bring me to Christ. Well, I started laughing. I was like, I know you're already in Christ. (laughs) You know, how do you bring somebody to Christ that's already in Christ? But he's like, well, just practice. Well, doesn't that, it is sometimes hard to role model, isn't it? But anyway, I learned really quickly I'm not an actress. For me, it is awesome. You definitely... He just said, okay, okay, now listen to this. And so he started telling me how to bring someone to Christ. But as a disciple of Christ, our heart becomes so zealous for him. We have to actually be able to discern when we're with somebody or as we're talking to them how to be led by the Holy Spirit. But the only way to be led by the Holy Spirit, to know that the Spirit is leading you in a certain way, is you have to first really know that you're born again. And then you can think about the other person that's sitting in front of you. But even in that, if you know you're born again, do you know we have an obligation that when God puts us in a place, you hear that little, you can feel it. You hear it and you know, I'm supposed to bring this person to Christ. And it is awesome. So I remember it was awesome. After Jean wrote this, Michaela started coming to the ministry. It was after that. It was kind of cool. Michaela was really one of the first people that got saved off this lesson. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) Michaela, Jean had already taught it, and I just thought it was such a great lesson. And Michaela comes up, and she was. this was such an awesome sign of a lost person. A lost person always will say to you, I can't hear you, I can't hear you, I can't hear you, I can't hear you. And she would sit in the class, and she came up, I can't hear anything. Well, you're right. You can't hear anything because her spirit wasn't regenerated back. 
It wasn't, though she hadn't, she hadn't been able to hear the truth. So think about it. When we meet somebody, you ever meet people who can't hear what you're saying? They can't, they can't focus in, they can't, they're not connecting. So what, we have to connect life in them. So I love this, born again. And I love those words because that is such, you have to really start growing. There's mysteries to understanding levels of God. It says eternal salvation. Now we're going to walk through this and we're going to, I would like everybody to follow along. I, I know, Carrie, if you want to go to Charlene and get the lesson, but you might not, you probably know this already, probably have this lesson down, but I just want people to be able to follow along. Um, Spring and Marvin, definitely share. No, I'm laughing at Marvin because I know you know it. All right, everybody's got one? All right, very good. So let's look at the top where it says eternal salvation. There are many concepts, religions, and traditions that guide humanity. But regardless of these, there is still emptiness in every human being. We try to fill this emptiness with what seems appropriate at the moment. Here are listed things. You look at these things and you will know, is there a void in you? So one of these things is going to be filling the void. Alcohol, drugs, fame, money, religion. I'm saying them slowly so you can really be thinking about these things. Sex, work and etc. These are just the common things that are written that actually keep a person's mind cycling when they're not knowing. They want to fill the inside with these things. They think that if they go home and have happy hour every day, they think their life is what? Full. I thought that. I thought if I was going home making my little cocktail cooking dinner every night, I was what? Full. I was happy. All right. But it really wasn't because there are, these are, there are things that actually, I love this, regardless of these, there is still an emptiness in every human being. Everybody before you accept Christ in your heart feels an empty place, but something draws you to know there's got to be something what? More, you know? So when somebody accepts Christ in their heart, you have to know that they're really accepting it at the right time. It says God is the only one who can make us feel whole. In the end, we find it impossible to fill the emptiness in our hearts. There is a place that we get where you are worn out. Now, think about this. Does everybody remember that moment in their life? Does everybody remember that moment in their life? There is nobody raising their hand. Does anybody remember that moment in their life where there was such an emptiness, you know, and that you knew? I know the first time I really connected with God, and it was when I tried to kill myself. I did. I know it. I, I, I'm that there was such a loneliness being built in me up to a certain point that I remembered when I did try to shoot, when I shot the gun. But even before that, I tried to put a belt around my, there was an emptiness that was trying to want to even wipe my own life out because I didn't have anything that I knew I could connect with. But after that day, I remembered a column coming down. And I remembered something uh, giving me instruction and talking back and forth. And I felt so much better after that day, even though I got beat so bad that day. It was amazing how it does what you go through when you know that Christ enters your heart. There is, you can tolerate so many more things in your life than you think that you could because you know that there's Christ there. Now, was I converted and living my life for him? No. That wasn't that time. That didn't come till I was 40 years old. <laughs> really, when I came till I was 40, then I got filled with the Holy Spirit. 
So look at all that time from the age of 17, 16 to 40 years old that I was still void and not filling something within myself. I was still doing this stuff. I mean, alcohol is drugs. <laughs> but I definitely liked a cocktail. And I thought that that was fun. I thought people at happy hour, they were what? Happy. Yeah, I loved it. They were happy, you know? Hey, I even filled void by going to church every Sunday and making sure to just put money in the basket. That actually filled a what? A void. That was actually filling a void in me. So God, there is a place that we, we hit that you know, okay, I've got to now live for what God has for me and that there is only him that can fill what's inside of me. So in the end, we do find it impossible to fill the emptiness in our heart. It is impossible. There is nothing else that can make me more happier in my life than me waking up every morning, worshiping God, reading the word, and him giving me the stamp of the word for me for the day. And then, man, I go off joyful because now I'm, in, I'm, I'm prepared for him for whatever he has called me to do for the day. All right, but that takes time. When we get converted in Christ and filled with the spirit, we actually have to continue. Do you know through the Bible it says continual? continual, habitual, habitual. It's a true relationship. We have to work at it. It's backed up here, Ecclesiastes 3.11. And this is already written in front of everybody, Todd, so I don't know if you want to put it up on the screen, but go ahead. You can put it if anybody doesn't have it here. It says, Ecclesiastes 3.11. Now, let me tell you, when we got to this part, this is like the beginning part of the lesson, right? Jean is reading this to me. I'm already broken. <laughs> and I'm already living my life for Christ, right? But this is really powerful. It says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. You know, I love the word time. It says, also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from the beginning to the end. Okay, you know what I got from this? The first time I heard it, I heard the word beauty. And then beauty is so awesome. That means he is going to make each and every one of us beautiful in its time. And when he says he put everybody seeks an eternity, no, none of us in here wants to die, do we? We don't want to die. We want to live. We want to have life. We want to enjoy. So he already puts this, this thing in us, this eternity that wants to seek a fulfillment within ourselves, Right? Don't you want life? You want life. Except that no one can find out the work that God has from the beginning to the end. So I love it. That means God's going to do it. We have to work with him in this journey. And so that's beautiful because to me, the first thing I felt was, okay, the load is off my shoulders. Because why? He says he already has an overall plan from beginning to end. And that there is nothing else that can satisfy it except for him. So that means whether you're married, he has to be in the marriage. Whether you're single, you have to be, he has to be in that. You know, whether you're working or whatever, he's got to be the center of all that. God sets eternity in the heart. A place can only be filled by the eternal life of Jesus Christ. Man, when you think about, you think of Jesus as a person who took the form of a man, but to think that he actually came to actually Enter in a life within us that's breathing and that's living through the Holy Spirit that he actually fulfills that place in us. And that's an interesting place because it's not worldly or material things. 
So we get people, it is awesome. When we start talking about sowing and reaping and all these other things that people learn and principles of the Bible, people want to, they, they're just getting excited because they want, they want to keep growing and get these things. But there is nothing unless you truly know that your heart has been eternity. The Lord has truly entered into this heart. And so in time, when we talked about the eight evidences of conversion, that's how you know he really is in your heart because he truly is changing you. So how can I go to heaven and how can I, how can I fill this emptiness? Now, this is great because the word tells us that we need to be prepared to answer any question that somebody has concerning Christ. Do you know that? Why do we continually seek him every day? Not just, We have the life in us, but he wants us to know his word. This pamphlet is an excellent thing for everybody to meditate on, not just for themselves, but how would you answer these questions that are out there to other people? So when people say, well, how do I, how do I go to heaven? How can I fill this emptiness? Well, number one, salvation is free, Romans 6.23 says. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It says many people try to gain access into heaven through their good works. It is the work of Christ that gives us access to heaven. So now that that's very hard to understand that because we're already born into the world with rules. And we know that we get rewarded if we do what? Follow them. And some people, they grow up in households that they get one of those rewards is love. And if you really think about this, God's love is free. And so as we know that Christ, when he enters our heart, we can't earn him. We don't, he wants to give us his love. It is a gift of God. So it's the work of Christ that gives us access to heaven. It's because he came. And he lived in a human body just like us. And he gave up his life on the cross. I loved what we did. And he gave up his life for our sin while we're in our sin. And so it's so powerful because that is the gift God gave us when he sent his son. He sent his son to live this out so that we could have eternal life reconciled back to him. So when somebody says, well, how can I go to heaven? Well, so, you know, they, they're thinking, how can I pay for that? What can I do? How can I become better? Well, they can't. You have to say salvation is what? Free. He wants to freely give you that peace. Ephesians 2.18 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. There it is twice. It is what? The gift of God is eternal life. The gift of God, he came to give us that grace to be saved through faith. So salvation is free. He wants to give that to anybody who desires it. And how are they going to desire it? I believe that because it's already the mechanism in us, there is a point in time we are calling up to him. We do invite Christ in our heart. And it's usually at a time when you, don't, you, you know you don't have anything else. That emptiness is so empty. But I love how he's already built this mechanism for us to call back up to him. Number two, we have to recognize that all men are sinners. Now, you know somebody full of pride. <laughs> I don't sin. 
<laughs> you know, I when Gene did the what the the little charts on the spots, he said, "Oh, what do you have?" Yeah, I don't think I got hardly any of them. I had all of them. That's pride, right? All men are sinners. It's really cool. I like it now. Okay, I was a sinner then. That wasn't good. I missed the mark. Do you know what really drew me? Is when I understood that the word sin means to miss the mark. I'm okay with making a mistake. Do you know what I mean? But when you hear the word sin and you grew up in the environment I was, whew, that doesn't feel good, right? It makes you feel unclean. It doesn't make you feel worthy enough. And I love that because really we are not worthy. You know what I mean? Jesus Christ made it for us to be that way. So the moment Adam sinned in the garden, I know you all know the story, every person that came after him entered into sin through water birth. That means we were all born out of the womb into a condemning world of sin, into not the right order. The world is condemned already, but in Christ, we are what? Free. We are free. Charlena, you are free. Charlena is free. Romans 3.23 says, for all, he backs it up, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory. And that's awesome. When you really meditate on that, when you really meditate on that, you actually start feeling the appreciation. The more I meditate on that, the more I feel the appreciation that, wow, God did send his son for the sins I was going to make, but just to reconcile me back to him and tell me that he loves me and that he forgives me. The moment Adam sinned, every person that came after him now is in that sin. So sin is, one, whatever is not faith. Sin is, two, knowing the right thing and not doing it. Sin is, three, missing the mark, so not, and so not share in the prize of being whole, spirit, soul, body, and finance. Now I want to break this down. Whatever is not faith, okay, Faith is something that you cannot what? See. It's something that's unseen. It's invisible. It's new. But whatever is not of faith, if that means if you're doing something because it's a sure thing, it's right down the line, you just know it, and it's very worldly, and it's just comforting. If, if I go to happy hour every day at 5 o'clock to have my cocktail because that makes me feel good and I am happy, I am not walking in faith. Okay, I'm not walking in what God has for me. I am picking something else to dictate my order. But in faith, if I know that God is calling me to go to another place or to grow in another way, I'm going to do it even though I don't, I don't know what I'm seeing. So when it says whatever is not faith, man, let me tell you something. When God is moving you into something new and you're not sure about it, well then, and you, can, you really can hone in on the fact that I can't understand this. Hey, I loved it when you hear people walk into a church and they come up to the, the altar and they have no idea while they're starting at that back line and coming up to the front. They have no idea why, but they're doing it in what? Faith. God puts a faith. So sin is whatever is not faith. If I can get the checklist and do the checklist right, like I love this, the eight evidences of conversion, that's not a checklist. That's a, that's a, you need to meditate that on that. And you need to ask yourself, do I have these evidences in my life? But if it's not faith, then that means a checklist. I give money. I fast every Sunday. I do this rule. I do this tradition. I go, you know what I'm saying? And I'm a good girl. So I am what? Saved. 
All right, if I have to say why I'm saved, then it's not in faith. I really want you to think about that. Evidences or behaviors that we went over that really identify, are you walking in the conversion? Are you walking in that faith? All right, knowing the right thing and not doing it. Now, there is going to be some things where our spirit wants to tell us the right thing to do. All right, so sin is actually knowing that right thing, and that and that's really just black and white. You know what I mean? Am I going to cheat on the test, or am I not going to cheat on the test, okay? Well, if you go ahead and cheat on the test, you've just set out your consequences, and you what? Missed the mark. That test could be turned up, ripped up, whatever it is. You know what I mean? I remember Rachel comes running home to me. This is awesome. I <laughs> She comes home to me. She's in middle school, and... She gets the answers. She missed the test the day before because she was absent. Somebody else took the test. She had to make it up the next week. They already got the answers, and they gave it to her. <laughs> right? Come on. Hey, I didn't have. I wasn't allowed out in high school, so I never got that situation to get the answers to pass a test. But Rachel has friends. <laughs> so I remember her coming home, and I saw her studying. I said, what are you doing? And she goes, oh, Mom, this is so cool. She goes, I missed the test. They got the answers, and oh, I didn't feel good. I was like, oh, Rachel, who did you get the test from? And I was like, all right. She's like, well, what do you think? And I said, Rachel, I think that's really sketchy. I said, because if you go in there and you get 100, come on. (laughs) I said, do people get hundreds in this lady's class? And she said, no. Do you get what I'm saying? Okay, like sometimes you have to ask yourself some questions. If I'm going to ace this test and get 100, you know, my mind started thinking for her. And so she said, well, you know, I think I'm going to do it, right? Well, then she something changed her and she decided not to do it, but she had that test in her book bag. I love this. She got caught with that test. It was awesome. She went to go take the test, and the teacher saw that test sitting in her book bag. And even though really Rachel made the right choice, she didn't really, she really told me she did not study the test. She didn't get in trouble. This was the awesome thing. But the guy who gave her the test got in trouble. So Rachel took the trouble with the guy. I remember this day so vividly. Rachel really learned doing the right thing. Because you need to do the right thing. You know what I mean? So sin is knowing the right thing and not doing it. You know what I mean? And so it was awesome. There was pardoned. It, was, it ended up to be a good situation because they recognized that the boy wasn't doing any harm. And they focused on Rachel. Were you going to give the answers for the test? It was funny. But you have to think about that. We are tested by God. In which way are we going to choose? Right? So when we're faced with the alcohol, I love it. When we're faced with this list of inner emptinesses, we have to ask yourself, well, do I know the right thing and I'm not doing it? All right, sin is missing the mark and so not to share in the prize of being whole spirit, soul, body, finance. We said soul twice. I think it's supposed to be social. This is a good editing. Social. All right, so missing the mark as a definition of sin is letting us know that, okay, as we're growing in Christ, Christ is going to put us into situations where he's going to ask us in our soul, our will and choice, are you going to choose me or you're going to choose this other way? And I'm going to tell you the awesome thing about God is he always lets you know before. So this is what sin is. Can anybody identify with that? And you know what? 
I know this, you're going to tell me I'm crazy, but I always think, okay, that doesn't sound bad. And that doesn't mean, <laughs> when I say that, means it makes me feel not so bad to be, uh, what? what did you say? <laughs> right. Well, no. I, that's what I'm saying. This is going to come off wrong. What I'm saying is that motivated me. When I heard, pardon me? Huh? That motivated me when I heard that in this ministry, meaning I wasn't feeling now condemned about the word sin. I don't want to go to hell. But the way it was broken down the first time, it made me want to correct it. It made me want to have more faith. It made me want to do the right thing and try not to do the wrong thing. It made me not want to miss the mark of being whole, spirit, soul, body, finance, and socially. It made me want to obtain the prize God said he had for me. So that's why I say, when I look at that, I always go, that's not so bad, meaning it uplifted me, it motivated me to want what was good for me, which was not to miss the mark. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, in the Episcopal Church, they make you go to the side and you have to confess all your sins to some stranger in a box. And then they tell you to do certain things that, like, so many Hail Marys and their beads and all this other stuff, right? Another, I never connected with that. In fact, I worried more about I'm confessing something I did bad to somebody I don't even know, and I didn't feel better after I walked out the door. Do you know what I mean? I didn't feel better about it. So when I heard this definition of sin, I know this sounds crazy, but I felt better. I felt better about understanding what he means when he's talking about sin. So doesn't that, you get where I'm going on this? Okay, so that's where, to me, if we know, uh, if we know the truth and you understand it, don't you just want to go through the fire? Don't you? Right, you have to still want it. Okay, I'm making that sound motivating because what I've learned is once I learned that definition, it got me from the back row up to the next row, up to the next row, burning head to toe, going through the deliverances, going through the changes, because I would rather be what? I'd rather be whole, spirit, soul, body. I never heard that, that our mind needed to be renewed to be whole. So, and you know what? It starts with first accepting Christ in your heart. So we can't, we can teach everybody anything, but if they're not, if Christ is not in their heart, They can't hear you. They're not going to respond. So understanding what sin means is very important. It's a good thing to understand what that means. All right. If you look on this chart, we have this awesome chart. It says God. I love this. It gives a column of God with man. Then it shows you a picture with Satan without man. Then it shows you a picture of God reconciled through Christ Jesus, born again man. All right. Under God with man, it says... Adam before sin, filled with God, blessed, peace and love, joy and prosperity. So God with man. What are we seeing? The fullness. This is Adam before he entered into sin. Adam was created completely perfect. He was created completely perfect, filled with God. He was blessed. He didn't have to work. All he had to do was play in the garden all day. I mean, that is awesome. He got even responsibilities. He had authority. He got to name the animals. All right. He got to live in a place of total tranquil peace and the receiving of God's love. He had joy and he had prosperity. Wow. Wouldn't that be awesome to live in that fullness all the time? All the time. So before Adam sinned, he had these things. 
All right, so now, when Adam fell, not biting into and not working with what God has put in his alignment, I like it, he was in God's will. It says, Adam after sin. Okay, now he's disconnected. The void, when we see the empty void, when we feel that emptiness, that means there's something in us disconnected from God. And the first thing is when Christ is in your heart. That's the biggest void emptiness that you have. Then when it comes to renewing the soul, we do have voids in our soul. We have wrong thinking that doesn't connect us to God until it's changed over. So the lost man is disconnected from God, eternally separated from God, and does good works to earn his way to heaven. (laughs) And he is so dictated by fear. I like it. Decisions that you make when you're lost, you're making them because you actually fear because you don't know the truth. I like it. When the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. When you know the truth, the truth can set you free. It was funny. I talked about when we were you know, little and my dad would touch his belt. We would shake out of fear because somebody wasn't going to tell the truth. We were going to sit in the lineup and take it. And we, there was, you felt fear. Everybody's experienced that fear where you're shaking, right? It's a shaking. Well, that shaking happens because you don't know the truth. There is a shaking. There's a trembling. I like it. When you come into a place like this and you can feel the trembling, there is something that you're going to learn about God when you walk into that environment. But a lost person is eternally separated from God. Not just his, his heart is eternally separated from God. He does the works only as a checklist, dictated by his fear. So now let's look at God, reconciled man through Jesus Christ. Okay, because nobody goes to the Father except through the Son. The second Adam given God's, the second Adam gives God's life back. All right, so when we accept Christ in our heart, what happens? Boom, the light bulb in our heart goes on. And that little light bulb, what's all around it? Darkness. Because now it's time for the soul to be renewed back to God in time. It's a process of time. It says, we are reconnected back to God through Jesus Christ. When we accept it in, boom, there is a reconnection back to God. Where you don't know how to work it completely, but there is something in you that's going to teach you. And that is called the Holy Spirit. So you, you have the opportunity, you are one with God, does works through his faith in God and is shaped by love. That is awesome. When Christ is in your heart and you get into the right place, a ministry like this, love is going to shape you in, into him, into what God has for you. So this is the start of a beautiful thing that's going to be renewed. Isn't this awesome? So when people understand, well, hey, if it already started out that we're supposed to be filled with God, blessed, have peace, have love, and all this stuff, well, this gives you something to go for. Hey, who's a ruby in here? Sharice. Don't you want to be, you want to be with the fullness? Sharice has got a ruby. Hi, ruby. Rubies want the best, right? If you already, if God already shows you his best, who did he show us the best? Jesus. He showed us his best. John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not what? Perish. And have what? Everlasting life. 
Okay, but he starts us off, and I know you can't see that little vision back there. I really do want to show it to James because James is new. Can you put that? Um, that oh, go, pull it up. That's okay. Don't worry about it. He's got it. He's going to put it on the screen. When you, when this is awesome, James, because in the beginning, when we read the verse and it says, he has made everything beautiful and appropriate in its time. When we accept Christ in our heart, that's an appropriate time. Right, Marvin? When we accept him in our heart, it's an appropriate time. But then now we are, we are going to have to now walk out our salvation. And I like it. So here, when we get reconciled back to God, now he can set us on being reconciled back to man, being reconciled into our plan, being reconciled into the promises that God already has us. So isn't that awesome? That's how you can start off talking. This little card, which we have a bunch of them, is an awesome card. People see that card and they go, whoa. Doesn't that make you feel better? Because you know what? The one thing I never understood when I would meet people and they would say they're born again. When I hear the word born again, I, I, I just didn't like that. It became a cliche, right? It became so the little Jesus fish to me was a cliche. There was just... Yeah, it's like not impressing. <laughs> you know I mean? Somebody would come with a Jesus fish, and I would go, oh, I'm going to have to not hire them. I can't pick them for the job. <laughs> that Because that's how much of a cliche it became. Wow. It became, that symbol did not work for me. That symbol, I wasn't excited about the fish symbol, and then let me put it on everything. Even when I really came to an understanding, I, it was more, okay, what are you, try, what are you, what are you going to try to sell me? That you are a good Christian, and you're going to take care of me. But I wasn't seeing that until I actually started building a what? A resentment. There was something being built in. I would, oh, and I would be rejecting. I would just, okay, pass on. And then the one time I would accept it, boom. I, always same thing. They did not take care of you. And I'm not saying that I was perfect, but I sure put myself in that position saying I was perfect because I was judging that other person. But when I saw this chart the first time, talk about getting me into my conversion, and really receiving the fullness of Christ in my heart is when I saw this picture. And I was like, it, and this is why I like teaching this. Because when somebody can hear your words and they're full of the truth of his word and his experience, do you know that there are bricks that start coming off when you don't think that you're responsible? Okay, I mean, that's what it was for me. I felt responsible for so many things all my life that when I saw that vision... And I was like, I have the light. There's, a, there's something that does move. Like, I'm connected. Oh, and then you're like, it has to grow. <laughs> like, it's, there's still darkness that has to be pushed out. And you start studying this. And guess what everybody says where they're at? I, I, I have tested this theory. If I say to somebody, where are you at? Where are you at? Right? They always say, I think I'm right in the middle. People say they're right in the middle. Because that's, the, that's a safe place to pick, isn't it? Where do you think you're at? I'm in the middle. But that's a safe place. But the whole time, I even said that. Jean asked me, where do you think I'm at? Standing in this room. And it, was just a, it, wasn't a, it wasn't as full as what these are now. And I said, in the middle. And then I said, where do you think you're at? And he said, in the middle. <laughs> totally. I was like, come on, you got to be somewhere else besides me. I feel God off of you, right? Okay, so... But what I'm saying, when we use this card to help somebody understand born again and taking away, people have negative images of the truth. 
All right. And so this is where God wants to create us all to be bold in Christ so that when we know we know him, do you know what I mean? We actually can meet with somebody and know if they're born again or not. We can really know. Are they born again? Are they walking out their salvation? But when you show them something like this, it lifts. Something actually lifts. Doesn't it make you feel better when you look at that chart? God says in this, in this, in this outline, the Lord is trying to show us we're all going to get to where? Here. In the process of time. And it's a beautiful thing. But he says we all start there. First, accepting him in our heart, but we have to recognize we're not perfect, that we still do what? Sin. And that's why when I understand the definition of sin, it makes me feel so much better with wanting to work it out. I don't feel like I'm being judged. Jesus, I like it. He is the sanctifier of our soul. He's going to start working out the little things as they start spurting up. That's when, hey, when you know you feel something and something starts, that means what? He's ready. He's ready to do something. If you feel miserable about something right now in your life, it's because he's ready to do something. And when you meet somebody who's miserable in their life, you have to be prepared to be able to do what? Speak to them and talk to them. Find out where they're, where they're at. All right? So it takes, it takes being able to hear the Holy Spirit and knowing how to help somebody really identify who and where they're really at because it's not you doing it. It's the spirit of the word doing it. So when somebody asks you, who is Jesus? All right, so that help you? This is great. So just remember, if somebody asks you, how can I go to heaven? How can I fill this emptiness? These are great tools. These are great charts. Salvation is free. All men are sinners. Hey, let me tell you what sin really is. I'm telling you, it works every time. When you get somebody that's frightened and you tell them what sin really is, they start warming up to you. And they start telling you everything. <laughs> it's awesome. And then when you tell them God has a great plan and he really wants to develop this in you, it's awesome. But then somebody could say, hey, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Well, if you've never really had a relationship with him, it's pretty hard to talk about somebody you don't know, right? I didn't know who Jesus was. I really didn't know who Jesus was when I came in these doors. I did not know who he was. I knew I was talking to God, but I really didn't understand that I had to go through the sun to really get to God. John 1, I'm not going to read this whole thing, but if you look at it, Todd, you don't have to put this on the screen. Everybody has it in front of them. John 1, 1 through 14 talks about the eternal world. This is going to tell you who Jesus is. In the beginning was the Word. The Word is capitalized because that Word, when it's capitalized, that means it's talking about a person. And you know what? That means when you capitalize the first letter of a person's name, guess what that means? There's value. There is value. If you notice, everybody goes to school and the first letter of your name is what? Capitalized because you are important. Your name is important. All right? The last name, that's why capitals stand up for something that is what? Important. There is value to it. And the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. So this person, the word, was with this important person, God. And the word was God. Whoa, that is deep. I loved it. That means they were already what? One. They were already one. That means God already had the word before the foundation of time. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made 
that was made. <laughs> That's an awesome sentence. Nothing was made that was made. Okay, start feeling yourself. <laughs> you were a creation. You were created. You were all born in to the world. So guess what? Start to, you were all things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made. That means every single person here, man, you get this to somebody, you were already a thought before you already entered out of your mother's womb. Little baby there, right? Is he moving? Is she kicking? She, yeah. Boy or girl? Okay, well, that baby's moving already, but guess what? Jesus already knows because, I like this, all things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. I like it. Little journey in there. Nothing is made that is, I'm serious. That baby's thought is already outlined. It was already with the word, and it was already with God, and the plan is already there, right? The only thing we can do is abort the plan. Do you know what I mean? We're not, and I love for, I love you too, because you are not aborting the plan. They are working through what God has for them to do, right? Yes, praise God. All right. Now I know it's so cute. It says, in him. Okay, so this baby's, I, I love using the visual of this. In him, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. Man, when we accept Christ in our heart and we have that little light, all right, that is awesome. But the darkness of us does not what? Understand it. People have a hard time understanding who Jesus is because they don't even recognize that they have to accept him in the heart and have that experience with him to know that he really is there. But what's in us that's not of him, it can't comprehend the greatness of that. John says, in John, it continues, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not the light, but he was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. That means he came into the own, son of man. He came into the body of what? A man that God created. God created Adam. He created the first man. He created the first body out of dust and then breathed life into it. Here, he even sent his son the same way. And we could not even recognize where we came from. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing when you really kind of think about that, but it's part of the born-again experience. God does draw us to want to know who he is. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So who is Jesus? When somebody asks you, who is Jesus? He's my brother. Because if somebody's talking about you, who is Jesus? Then you have to be a son and daughter of God. Because when God, somebody's coming to you to talk about Jesus, that means you know something about Jesus they don't know. It is an opportunity to really be talking about what you do know. 
And I like this, the word, the more time we spend in the word, he gives us more to know about him and to show people how to provoke their heart towards him. Doesn't it make you feel so important that you were not an afterthought, that you were not a waste, and that everything that you were going through was actually really purposed for your growth towards him and in him and through him? And then I love this. He gave the right. It says, as many as received him. To them, he gave the right to become children of God. So who's a child of God? Right? We're children of God. So if we receive him, we have such a hard time receiving. We really do. Because we live in such an entertainment world. It's hard for us to slow down and receive. You have to spend time and really meditate on the word. Jeannie and I were talking about this the other day. We need to go back and really teach, how do you meditate on the word? Because the meditation on that word, God lifts a revelation out of, and he starts changing you in that. So the word actually became flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. That means we experienced it. We saw it. We witnessed it. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Jesus is the Son of God. He is 100% God, and he's 100% man. Well, the awesome thing about this is uh, the, the, the words that I heard, Jesus is misrepresented. When I was challenging my understanding to Jesus, Jean said to me, Jesus is misrepresented. Now, that was a really powerful point in my, it's on my testimony because I already thought I had an understanding of him. But the moment he said these words, and when I asked him, do you really mix God in your business? The atmosphere of the room changed because you knew who was about to show up. Jesus. Jesus is going to reveal himself through a child of God. How do we know? The sons of God, God is trying to move through us so people can experience him. We become vessels cleaned up, ready for the master's use so that people can experience him. And so when I heard that, God knew exactly what Jesus knew exactly what I needed to hear to want to make me thirst to understand him more. And so when Jean was used to say, Jesus is misrepresented, man, it hit my intellect. Jesus is misrepresented. Jesus is misrepresented. I don't think I know who Jesus is. I mean, really, I'm being silly, but that's exactly how that thought came. So we have to be able, when somebody is talking to us, you know when they ask, when Michaela came up, And she asked Todd and I, I can't hear, I can't hear, I don't understand. What was she screaming out? Who is Jesus? What is this all about? I need answers. I do not understand. And I kept thinking, oh, we're going to try this one out. (laughs) We're going to try. And this worked. I didn't have to do the whole packet. I had to actually hear what her need was. And I could pick from this. I didn't have to sit here and go through all these pages. We have to become where we are hearing what the person needs to hear. And you know what? For me, I needed to hear that I wasn't an abandoned afterthought, that I wasn't having to work the world, and that God really had something he wanted to bestow on me so I could freely receive. That's hard, isn't it? You know what? You have to think about that. We even get into relationships and marriages and, 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 and business partners unequally yoked. We actually pick people that we think is going to fill an empty void when the whole time Jesus is sitting there ready to do what? Fill it. John the Baptist already came, and he already called it out before he came. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God, 
And there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. For Jesus is the only mediator between God and man. Jesus knows the heart of the Father and his righteousness because they're one. Jesus is the only one that can reconcile God to man. So people have to receive who? Jesus. It says we have to receive him. Worldly religions honor man as if they're God. I did. I thought that the minister up in my place, that he was just born with something special. That was his assignment, and we're to respect that. I did believe that. I believe that that man became a God, and we do that. We put gods before God, not even knowing that we're doing it because it's what we've been taught to believe. All right? When people, people really get into that rotation. Colossians 1.20 says, Colossians 1.20 says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. So I like this. It says by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, by him, by everybody, him, by him. He, he actually reconciled things back to himself. We are not of our own. We are already owned by him. When we accepted his son back, and now he's reconciling us back to him. So th- isn't that amazing? Like, we really have a daddy up in heaven. Not the necessarily spiritual, I mean, the um, biological parents we have on the earth. We have a father up in heaven that wants to parent us and help us and teach us his way. Jesus is the way. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You are building in these scriptures to somebody, you are building up the understanding that nobody can get to their true heavenly Father except for through Christ because they were already one before anything was made. So what did Jesus do for us? He died for our sins. If somebody asks you, what did Jesus do for you? All right, James, what did he do? What's the first one on your paper? He said he what? Right there. What did Jesus do for us? Go ahead, say it out loud. He died for our sins. Prissy, what's the second thing he says? Yes. Carrie. And Marvin. <laughs> now, Marvin, you knew I was going to jump across the room. Marvin's one of those students that when you're, when you're a school teacher, you just, want to, you just want to pick Marvin. Go ahead, Marvin. What's the last? Hit us with it. Who? Hey, Marvin, what did Jesus do for us? Right. So we are saved. We're rescued. We are, our salvation is to be redeemed. We have to be confident and know, hey, hey, read the first one. Marvin, what did he do for us? Right there. See how he said it? He died for our sins. He said that with pure confidence, right? But he also paid for our rebellion, our sickness, our iniquity, our transaction, our disobedience. When you start saying that, you start feeling, man, when you start reading the characteristics of the soul in this book, ooh, <laughs> we're like, yeah, that is us, Right? So, but he actually, through his sacrifice, we received. Sometimes it's hard to believe that there was already a great sacrifice for our life. 
and that we receive by grace every blessing he has in store for us. So now, okay, you know what that says in my brain? Okay, God actually wants, I was born so I could receive what? A blessing. I was born so I could be restored back to him because he has things for my life. But isn't that amazing? If you're not in Christ, if you're not in Christ and you haven't accepted him in your heart, then guess what you're missing? You're missing knowing that somebody sacrificed for you. Your sins, he, your sins are not, they're not forgiven yet. You have, to, you have to come to the Father through the Son to receive that forgiveness. And then guess what the kicker is? After you receive it, then you can actually do what? Receive another. You can actually forgive another. You, can, you start changing your ways. So what did Jesus do for us? It's such an important question because I think if you get a real intellectual person, they're going to ask, well, what does that mean? They're going to ask questions. Hey, a, a good student knows how to ask a good what? Question. question and knows how to ask a what? A dumb question. I mean, we ask, we, a dumb question sometimes is the most informationally filled answer that we need to receive. Because sometimes we're too afraid to even ask, well, who is Jesus? You know what I mean? I remember, <laughs> I remember saying, oh, you don't put the Jesus fish on anything. I had to change. And the, the best part is he said, oh, no, I, no, I don't do that, right? Three years, into the, three years into the partnership over here, I'm cleaning out a closet. I find C.E. Hall, a little Jesus fish on the card. I went right to him. <laughs> but now I didn't care. Isn't that what I'm See, God would have never let me solve that fish after I got in partnership with him because I would have like, the fish, right? And it would make me start making up a decision of who this man really is, right? Because I already had a vision of a person with a fish is unreliable, Right? They did not take care of me. I would drive sitting on the back of the bumper. Seeing a, I was like, okay, a person with the fish on the bumper. I mean, come on. The bumper with the fish was everywhere on the bumper. But now I liked it. I found it three years later. I had more understanding. I had more knowledge. I ex I've experienced things of Jesus. Now the fish went what? Nothing to me. The fish means nothing. Isn't it amazing how we have set traditions and orders and things to mean something to us? And if they mean something to us, then guess what they're doing? They're filling an empty void. They're filling something in us. Man, you know a depressed person. When somebody's coming to you, you can tell if the joy of the understanding that, that they are really free. And it takes, time, it takes time to feel that fullness of freedom and to fill it. None, none of us could handle it if we actually experienced the fullness of that love. I really believe that. All right, because anytime I do feel it and the wave comes, I pass out. <laughs> so that means I couldn't what? I couldn't take it. I couldn't handle it. All right, so how do we receive the gift of salvation? Okay, so now when you start salvation, salvation, we are being redeemed and reconciled back to God. We are working it out, our reconciliation, one step at a time. But when you're talking to a lost person and you're saying, how do we receive that gift? Now you get them so excited. Hey, sin's not so bad. You're supposed to laugh, right? It just means the understanding of the definition makes a person feel better. I'm not saying sin is not bad. Every time I say that, I always see a face or two cringe. But I'm saying the understanding of it doesn't mean to keep doing it. But how do we receive the gift of salvation? Okay, I love it. In bold words, it says right here, by faith. We already talked about that. But here it backs it up. Faith comes by what? Hearing the word. All right? So the more we know the word and the more I speak it to James, he's drawn. 
the more I kept talking to Todd, Todd came into this class. I remember one time I knew I was supposed to go down to Todd's house with the book of these visions, and I didn't know what I was doing. I just remember, I'm going to go down and see Todd, right? I did not know Todd very well, and his parents were going out that night. Remember that night? Man, there was power happening. It was like the word. I could feel it. I could feel it. It's like he'd ask a question, the answer would go out. And it would be an, it was awesome. You know what I mean? And he had these like deer in the headlights. You know what I mean? Didn't you? You did. I know. That's what's so awesome. I mean, at, hey, the one thing is when you have these experiences, you don't know what's happening. But years down the line, it gets fun. To, I enjoy talking about the experiences I have with people and my own experience very much because that's how much he has changed my understanding. All right. So, We receive it by faith comes by hearing the word. We have to know the word as we're growing in him so we can help draw another. The spirit will know what to say, but we have to be actually be able to say it in faith. You got to be able to say, I can only imagine what Gene thought in that conference. What am I going to say to this girl? What am I going to say to her? He had to surrender to the Holy Spirit. So it wasn't Gene talking to me because by faith, he was going to say whatever God was going to tell him to say, because that was the word that was going to work for me. You know what I mean? So it's awesome. Faith is believing from your heart that Jesus really is Lord and Savior. He really is in charge of your life, that he reconciles us back to a relationship with God. It is not enough to simply have a mental, that was me, a mental understanding about God's existence. That's what I had before I came in here. I had a mental understanding and I hadn't experienced that I put a gun to my head and I didn't shoot it. That was enough. God captured that moment enough to hold me until I came into this building. Isn't that amazing? There is something that has happened to every single one of you before you ever came to the understanding of faith with him because he uses that moment because you have to say in that moment, there's got to be a what? A God. How do I really get to him? All right. So by faith is how we receive that gift how we have to believe in our hearts, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and then now begin to walking out that, that relationship. Do you know what we see happen here? When people do get saved in here, most people come in here already having Christ in their heart, but not really the full understanding. But when they come in, they actually, people reassess, am I really saved? We, I, you can see it. You can see it when somebody is really like, am I really saved? You know, because they can go through the motions. We can mentally understand, I can say these words, but if there's no meaning behind it by faith, and as you continually grow into it, well, then you start questioning, am I really saved? Oh, I got to use Chris on this one. Now, I'll never forget, Chris comes in here, and Gene's teaching on deception and demons and all this stuff during a sonship class. We'll get to that chapter. You'll like that, right? We get in there, and Chris is like all over the place. At the end, he walks out. He comes up to me. I think it was the second visit. Man, am I really saved? <laughs> he started asking. And now you can see what the confusion is. Chris, I, Chris had accepted Christ in his heart. Chris was saved. Chris wasn't doing the bottom guideline. He wasn't here. He wasn't living according to God's guidelines. He wasn't working out his salvation. He wasn't renewing the soul to the understanding of Christ. He wasn't. He was still believing in that first salvation. 
but he didn't know what to do with it afterwards. So we have to, it's not enough to just mentally understand Jesus. It's not enough to mentally understand God. Understand God. It's actually confessing, okay, I am committing all this to you. You are the Lord of my life. And now allow yourself. There's an experiences that you have. There are experiences that you experience. And he lets you know, I am really here. And the first thing, you know what, for me, it was just like, all right, you know, if this is you then, and this is your will, then I'm just going to give that to you and you're going to have to make that happen. <laughs> but he made me work at that. But it was awesome. I had, to, I had to flush out a lot of things in my life during that time. And everything I gave up to him and said, okay, if it's you, then you're going to do it. Just tell me what to do. If I did everything he told me to do, it, it wasn't what I expected. Some things disappointed me, what I lost, my losses. But at least now I was what? Walking in the will towards him. So what do we have to do to receive our salvation? First, we must believe that Jesus is the only mediator between God and man. There is no other way to God except for through Jesus. And that through Jesus, he guarantees that you will go to where? Heaven. Heaven. He guarantees you will go to heaven. That we must do what? Confess him with our mouth. And receive him into our heart. You know, it's awesome. I, when you really get a hold of this, I love in the back of the Bible, it'll have like the rededication. You know, and Jean started, uh, I guess a month ago, that at the end of service, Chris reads the, or Carrie reads the rededication. There is something uplifting that when you go back and reconfess your heart, reconfess it, re-speak it. Over the years, the more I would read that and the more that, because I'd had low times and I would do the same thing. Oh my God, am I really saved? Like, why does it feel so bad? Do you know what I mean? And I would read that and then you'd know it. You know what I mean? It's good to reread and reconfess and re know because it's generating the spirit within you. What steps do we have to take to receive the gift? What time is it, Todd? 625? All right. No, this is good. All right, we'll finish this up. What steps do we have to take, to take, to receive the gift of salvation? One, the first step. This is what you walk a person through. I want everybody to study this. Study this. So what's the first thing we have to do? Marvin, what's the first thing you have to do? Say it again. Say it again. Now say the other part of the sentence. Say it again. Very good. What does Proverbs 28, 13 say, Marvin? Right. He who covers his sins will not prosper. Oh, that makes you kind of feel wiggly. Go ahead. Awesome. So now what's the first thing we have to do? First, we have to admit that we're a sinner. Then we have to start what? Confessing those sins. We have to start confessing those sins. I, lo I love it. You can really get into that. You can start confessing everything. Everything, you start thinking that's a sin because it says he who covers the sin will not prosper. We cannot prosper till we can surrender that up to him. There is no advancing. Your pride holds us back from confessing those things and trusting where God has placed you to do that. Sometimes it's with another person, but it's always going to be with him first. All right. Number two, spring. What do we have to do, spring? What do we have to do, spring? Say it again, spring. Right, through. So he even tells us how to do it. 
So we don't only just have to repent our sin. Now we have to do what? Come on. She just did it three times. What do we have to do? Right. Okay. I, I like this. I got Marvin and Spring tagging it. What's the first thing you have to do, Marvin? What is next thing? Right. Okay. So we have to go to 1 John 1, 8, 9 says, if we say that we have no sin, what have we done, boys and girls? Deceived ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Now, don't be talking that to somebody else. That's not your place. You just be need. Yeah, look at her. I said, I saw that, right? Don't be looking to anybody else, spring baby. You confess your sins to yourself, right? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, he says, if you're willing to do this, repent first. Repent means to change your mind. Change your mind. Know that that happy hour is a sin. <laughs> now, <laughs> let me tell you, I love, if there's anything, I love hearing a shaker go up and down. You know what I mean? It just did something for me in a really upscale bar. I loved an upscale bar, hear the shaker. And then it just felt like people were happy. <laughs> But anyway, I had to actually, that really became a sin. I love it. So, okay, I am being funny now at this point because this is cool. You have to, there has to be a point where you're good with what you've done wrong. And then you really, there is an awesome part that after you've repented, change your thinking, and you confess, you actually really start laughing at yourself a little bit. Don't you laugh at yourself a little? You just laugh more about the things that you used to do because you know you weren't really trying to hurt another because you were ultimately hurting yourself. So, Three, the last thing we have to do, the last thing. So we know if we're working with somebody, we, we, they have to repent of their sins, change their thinking, because they can't cover it. They'll not prosper. They have to confess it, because as Spring told us, we just deceive ourselves if we say we have no sin. All right, and the third thing, carry. What does the third thing say we have to do? Right, say it again. Confess Jesus. Right. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with my mouth that the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Hey, you know what the thing I never got was the God has raised him from the dead. I remember I, I could. It was so hard to believe that Jesus was still alive. That was one of my toughest things. I remember Rachel was two years old, and I went to the Methodist church on Hinesville across from the courthouse for Easter, and I had my, um, my Jewish cousin, Janice, her godmother, came and stayed with me, and we snuck in the back, because why? The church was what? Packed, and there was all these people singing, but they started the rendition out whispering, he's alive, he's alive. Well, Janice and I are sitting in the back. I'm holding Rachel. There's just no seats, right? And they're just going through this thing, and they keep increasing that he is alive. He is alive. I was getting into it. He's alive. Janice hits me. Who is alive? I said, I don't know, but he is alive. I think they're talking about Jesus. And okay, no kidding. No kidding. Janice, if you ever watch this tape, I love this girl. This is so awesome. She grew up Jewish. She doesn't, you know, she doesn't understand that really either, but I, can't, I couldn't even conceive that. I had a hard time. I wasn't mad at it. I was just like, how can somebody be alive, but I can't see them? I can't touch them. What do you mean they're alive, right? And we were sitting in the back. And okay, so <laughs> after that, she would always send me an email. It, it, she would write it like little text, he is alive. Then she would do it boldly, he is alive. And then we would just laugh back and forth. Well, after I came to this ministry, I wrote an email. I wrote, he is alive. <laughs> Let me.
me tell you. I mean, it was so funny because, you know, in a song when they start off, sometimes they start off with a low voice and they're elevating it to get everybody all into it. Well, personally, my flesh was into it. <laughs> I mean, I was like, he's alive. This is great. But I was actually saying something that I did not conceive. I did not really conceive the resurrection. Do you believe that? I sat in church my whole life, and I didn't even know, A, I had a Holy Spirit. I didn't even conceive the power of the resurrection. And that's the thing that people still don't conceive that today. I love it when I meet somebody that says they didn't even know they had a Holy Spirit. How about you get the person who doesn't really oh, connect that there is a resurrection that exists that he is alive, sitting on the right hand of the Father, and has the ability to live and breathe in you, where you feel it, you hear it, you know it, he moves. There is a resurrection that happens into you, right? Mr. Breakthrough, right? The breaker anointing, it was always called on you. So, but the breaker anointing, I'm telling you, the breaker anointing has to do when you realize that he was risen from the dead. That is the breaker anointing when you realize that he is risen and that you he does breathe just as you breathe. He breathes in you and he shows you something, a revelation of his word or the understanding of who Jesus is and then something becomes what? Alive. And it's so real. Like, And you know what the worst thing is, you know? I mean, sitting in that Methodist church, the people singing it. I wonder if they believed it. I started thinking about that. They sang it so beautifully. You had to know who he was, right? So, okay. Well, bottom line, I was really lost before I came in this door. But I definitely had an experience with God. I will tell you, I had such an experience with God. I was always praying. I just didn't really know who I was praying to. And was I really believing that it was he was alive? Okay, but it is awesome. I love telling that story because it makes me laugh of my stupidity, my ignorance, and my lack of understanding the truth. This pamphlet, the first half of this pamphlet that we went over, these first few pages, if you all study this, meditate on these, meditate. Meditate means go home, read it over, read the scriptures out loud over and over. Watch the deeper understanding you will have and he you will feel that life brewing and bubbling up just to be released to somebody else. Isn't that awesome? Everything we gain with him is for our release to another person. I look at Prissy and all the people that walk in. I look at the people that own a business like Prissy, Jean. I mean, you work in here, you're in here, anywhere you're at, people go by you every day. People come in your door every day. I met a man today. He just cried in that conference room before here. And he had an experience with God before now, but he couldn't believe what he felt in here. And it was awesome because I was praying on this house that we have, 73 Woodchuck. I was praying for the Lord to show me how this house was going to sell. And I kept hearing wisdom through wisdom. And it's awesome how this deal is going to be his wisdom is going to sell the house. But it's awesome. People go by us every day. You know what I mean? And that means if we're prepared and we know how to meditate on this word, know how to answer these kind of questions, how do you receive salvation? Who is Jesus? What steps do I have to take? Help me understand. Don't worry about what they don't understand. Just keep filling them with the words of what you know, and then they'll be drawn. They'll be drawn. God's not going to send anybody you can't handle. 
Now that's powerful. God's not going to put somebody before you that you're not going to be able to help because it would already be ordained for that day, for the moment of time, for that understanding. Isn't that powerful? So on this last page here, page seven, it's not the last page. We're going to actually finish through this next week. We're going to continue talking about other questions people will ask after salvation. But before that, here is a prayer. It says the prayer of salvation. All right. And, um, I'm going to have James read the prayer of salvation for us. Okay, you turn your page. You're going to do it. You're a good reader out louder. It's okay. I know. Huh? Huh? No, you're going to be good. This is awesome. You know when you're in school? Huh? No, you're going to read this. This is great. I'm going to read it with you. This would be really good. Okay, we're going to do it sentence by sentence. But the awesome, see, you have to be confident too to be able to help somebody else read this. All right, the perfect thing about this is if you meditate on the scriptures up to this prayer of salvation, then when you have this prayer of salvation and you give it to somebody, you can make photocopy this and give it to somebody and ask people to really, you meditate on it. So I'm going to start off with it. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Right. Go ahead. What's the next sentence say? Oh, you want to read it with me together? All right, here we go. We're going to read it together. Heavenly Father... I come to you in Jesus' name. Your word says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I am calling on Jesus right now. I am a sinner and believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day to give me life eternally with God. I break every covenant that I have made with the enemy, with my flesh and the world. Father, I ask you to forgive me, and I ask Jesus to come into my heart and live your life in me through him. I repent of my sins and surrender my life 